0: So, Pam, how's your new job?
1: It's going pretty well. I've recently gotten to play with Kubernetes a bit, which has been really interesting. So, I actually asked someone yesterday, Oh, do you know what Kubernetes means? And they actually did know that it means uh, what they say. No, on the internet, they translate it as captain in Greek, but he actually had the probably more accurate one that it means helms, cap, like ship's helmsman or something like that. That's cool. So it's it's Opsy stuff. It lets you, uh, it, given containers and stuff, it lets you orchestrate your containers really easily. So it manages a lot of things for you. It's very nice.
2: What is the baseline container needs to do to to be in a Kubernetes pod or cluster? Like I assume it needs to listen on a, on a port. Does it need to like dynamically pick that port?
1: No, I don't think so. I think it's uh, it's pretty smart. It seemed like it.
2: Like if I give you a container and says this Rails app listens on eight thousand, you could configure Kubernetes to somehow network to that port no matter what.
1: Oh, I think so. Yeah. Okay. But also that once you like once you have a bunch of containers, they can all listen on like the same ports if you want. Like as long as they have different, um, you know, they have different IPs pointing at their uh, like for their load balancer.
2: How does Kubernetes relate to your serverless adventures?
1: It's how we deploy things, so.
2: You don't deploy them with serverless?
1: Well, serverless is meant for, I know you're just trolling, but like for real though, like serverless <laughs> is meant for things that are not, uh, say like persistent or always available. Or like, well, they are always available. I mean, it's always the trade-off of like how much of your own infrastructure do you want to run? There are some services that you just want to have running all the time because they have things like, storing data and stuff like that, that isn't on-demand compute. So, cause serverless really is like on-demand compute.
2: Right, no, it probably makes sense. Like HashiCorp has a bunch of, had a bunch of things that were deployed, what we would consider like not best practices or best practices for that time. Cause we were still working on things like Nomad and et cetera. And now that those it's... things exist, the tools that we've made, we, we were migrating things over to those new tools.
1: Yeah, but I actually watched a really good video about it yesterday. Uh, I've actually, so I I think I've mentioned, but I've been really, I have a smart TV and uh, and also a Chromecast. And so like, like casting stuff to the TV is really easy. So I just put on a tech talk yesterday while I was working on some stuff and uh, learned a lot about Kubernetes. But it was a really good intro video and I'll put it in the show notes about, like, what is Kubernetes even? It had a bunch of live demos, um, or, well, live coding, uh, which, you know, mostly involves watching someone misspell things a lot, but uh, he still <laughs> did a really good job. So I think it's still definitely worth, like, it's, you know, you can actually watch him, like, you know, these are the commands that you would use to do this stuff and why what it's actually doing. It's pretty
2: neat. I also read a blog post that you shared with us that was a children's book of kubernetes yeah but i
1: i want to make that my pick i can still make it my pick take back (laughs) but it's really cool so stay to the end (laughs) or look at the show notes yeah so that's what's interesting len have you been enough to anything cool
0: uh just working in react native still and i'm liking it more and more i was surprised our our app uh it just worked in android
1: yeah, I was going to ask if you'd like, like what platforms you were on.
0: Yeah, it took me about two hours to get an emulator up and running. But <laughs> once I actually had an emulator on my machine, uh, it just worked. The Android Studio thing was so big and slow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I've heard that is an unpleasant experience, but I would assume that it got better in the last few years.
0: Yeah, but then I installed Jenny Motion, and it was much lighter and, and better emulator jenny jenny motion g-e-n-y-m-o-t-i-o-n what is that uh it's just like a third-party android emulator Hmm. can you write apps with that too no it's just emulation and management
2: so what you use like eclipse or TeleJ to compile an android app and then put it in there and use it or emacs
0: and react native yeah it's actually going so well our app is going to be native first. And actually, I think today I'm going to spike using uh, React Native for web and see how mature that it is becoming.
2: So React Native has some sort of utility that just outputs the Android app for you?
0: I mean, yeah. All your JavaScript can be shared, like all of your like business logic. Uh, the views are different, potentially. There are controls in libraries that are either just for Android or just for iOS uh, but there's a convention if you have like file dot ios dot js and filename.android.js and you import from that file name, it'll just import the right one
3: for the right platform
0: when you compile.
2: That's really cool.
3: The idea of it is not to need any of the uh, the native platform tools until like you really need to go into and debug some native stuff. But you should be able to like build your app without Xcode being open or android studio you just need the simulators so this week i'll spike react native for web and i'll get back to you <laughs> when you say react native for web what do you mean
1: isn't that so just like react?
0: <laughs> no uh i mean it's using react native components but one of the output targets on top of the ios and android is actually yeah it's come oh, back mobile like circle web. yeah well web web right but but it'll probably look like a mobile app yeah yeah
1: Well, I think it's it's okay to differentiate because if you've actually been using things like there's just different coding styles to think about, like using local storage and trying to leverage your cache well and stuff like that. Making sure the payloads are smart, preferably small.
2: I usually leave the cache leverage to
1: accounting. (laughs) Your puns are getting bad, Justin.
2: (laughs) Or better.
3: Uh. So, Jervon, what's new with you? Let's see, I'm still in my bike clothes. I'm a little sweaty. Uh, that's... It's gross. That's, it's, that is kind of gross. gross. Uh, what's new? Yesterday I had an interesting Terraform bug Justin. What happened? I accidentally oh. tore down our CI server. Awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like well done. It's in Terraform. It's, you know put it back up and then uh, couldn't remote exec in because of ssh underscore auth sock. I don't know what. Uh, I googled it and there was a bug from like 2015 with it for Windows, but not for Mac. But then I restarted my computer and it works.
2: Hmm.
3: And I was like, "Ugh."
2: I will not pretend to know anything about SSH protocols.
3: Neither do I. Uh, the GitHub issue said uh, just set agent to false, but once I restarted my computer, it works. I'm still trying to decide if I should go to Abstractions or not. Are any of you going? Probably what is not. Abstractions. It's in Pittsburgh it's a conference Conference in Pittsburgh
2: it seems like a really great conference uh great from the standpoint of it seems relatively small but a whole lot of like really I guess high profile speakers
1: and like looks like good content
2: yeah yeah exactly that also um it seems to be trying to do a, a lot of things right uh but, yeah, I probably will not go to it just for personal reasons.
1: There's so many choices. And I think people have been, like, killing it and putting on some really good conferences lately. Like, the Catskills conf people come to mind.
3: Is that the one where they go camping?
1: It's not even – I don't think it's camping. I think it's a little more upscale. So, <laughs> I – but, like, you, there's, like, talks and stuff. But then there's also, like, learn to make bacon and stuff like that. Interesting. So – Relevant to Justin's interests, especially. Yeah. There's like probably woodworking things like that.
2: Make me sound like this uh, mountain man <laughs> that just Nick Offerman, me. basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You should grow a mustache. Uh, Please don't. I cannot grow a beard or a mustache. That okay. looks good. It comes in all patchy. Sure. It's not. It's not pleasant. Mm. I do wish I was able to grow like a big Montana beard or something. Montana, Montana came to mind because of Great Glacier National Park. I'm not sure
1: why. <laughs> i know that was a person or a character but you meant the place
2: yes the place
3: speaking about abstractions uh, i think pam you had lunch with bruce right on monday so i met someone at steel city <laughs> a long time ago and he came to philly and we had lunch it was pretty cool going to conferences pays off everyone because you make friends and when they come to town uh they give you a laser cut rust logo he uh oh you got one <laughs> wow I got so thing, made, uh, logo. he made a laser cut cool. wood off the rust logo it's pretty cool he did plastic too I don't know how he did the plastic but oh. do you use rust ever I do not I felt a little guilty taking it but it was so awesome <laughs> one day if I ever use rust I will uh, you already will gladly swag. put it at my desk and... it's good marketing yeah I have a question for you all how do you deal with coworkers uh leaving or your teammates like
1: when they qu- not quit like yeah, when, when they, they quit move on or when to they like, go home at the end of the day
3: no when they quit move on to better things have you all gotten used to it already? Or does it still like, oh, that person's leaving?
2: Uh, I don't think of it as a major thing because if I am friends with that person, then I'll probably continue to be friends with that person. And if I'm yeah. not, then it doesn't really matter.
1: Mm.
2: <laughs> I mean, there's a large impact Cold. to the team because... Well, no, there's a large impact <laughs> to the team because if you have a any team of any size, when you add or remove one person, you end up with an entirely new team. So that's Teams like a, are immutable. Yes, so, so there's obviously a large impact to your your team, or your organization. Probably, probably not your organization because Comcast probably doesn't care on, on the large. But uh, your team is going to feel a lot different. But as far as personal relationship with that person, uh, it'll it'll be okay.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess there's Slack and stuff. You can still talk to, talk to people. Usually, people
2: yeah, if they're in Philly. Live they're far away. Death. Yeah, live yeah. in the suburbs. But and also, like, like, you have a car. I do have a car.
1: Yeah. Like you can stay friends if you want. Is this
2: about me, Jervon, When I when I left the city and left left the left prompt works, it's partially about you. Yeah. How did or you? Or me do? when <laughs> I left Congo. Yeah, but you were on a different team, right?
1: Yeah. Well, we have been on the same team before, so Jervon had left me in the past.
3: Yes, but we were uh, on the yeah. same floor, actually.
1: We were on the same floor. We're on the same floor. But yeah, I mean, I think Justin really hit on everything about it. Mm-hmm because I it's hard for me to remember because I think I'm probably usually the one leaving but, or I don't remember when people leave or when they left it's usually because I helped them get their next job or something if it's someone I like because you- like I knew that they were unhappy and so I helped them leave like that's a thing you were saying something one
0: I was gonna say you were at Comcast for a while right but then yeah. I realized we had this debate at once already oh lined up what, all more uh, jobs that we quit
3: oh uh-huh.
1: yeah yeah we've done quitting before. who quit more jobs <laughs> yeah you won i believe
0: and you had like 18 jobs <laughs> yeah <ridiculous?
1: laughs> your list was ridiculous yeah do we want to discuss news and stuff sure so i had a. I've, a friend of mine uh tweeted about a video that is pretty fun that is is HTML programming language is kind of this stupid internet debate people keep having, and this is actually a video from a CS professor uh who's also getting like a bunch of like hate mail from people who think that they wanna tell a CS professor that he doesn't know anything about defining programming languages, which is just a testament to the audacity of people on the internet really so but yeah it's a really good video and i i thought i don't know if we could discuss the debate do you think html is a programming language i
2: think it is i saw i saw the i didn't watch the uh the video but i i saw the title and thought about it for a while when Mm -hmm. you sent it the other day um i guess any any text is could technically be a programming language if you render it in a different format than the format you input it in right like like markdown is a if programming you run language. it yeah markdown is a programming language that outputs html mm. i guess it's technically just a markup so i guess
3: what is the definition of a programming language is it turing completeness
1: mm. html is definitely not turing complete
3: <laughs> i googled is html a programming language and the, the little google box came up that says if you're going to say HTML is a programming language, then you might as well include things such as Word documents, as they too are based on ML or markup language. So no, HTML is not a programming language. It's called markup for a reason.
1: Well, I mean... This...
3: I'm not I mean, saying that person's use... right. I'm just... It's a
1: Google knowledge card. Yeah. Like I had trouble finding information yesterday on Google about how to properly store roasted peanuts. Oh, is, that, is that what know, that's called? Let me know. Um, it's called mm. a knowledge card because oh. it's it's from the knowledge graph, which is how they index and try and say like, not only do we run your search, but we want to actually find the answer to what you're looking for.
3: You're you are a Google expert indeed.
1: <sighs> but yeah, so I I think for me, I would actually I, so I'm I have a mixture like a ping and slash cop out is I actually don't really think. HTML is a programming language, but I don't think my opinion matters because I don't think anyone really gets to say what is a programming language and what is not. So if some people want to think that HTML is a programming language and or if they use that as like some sort of like measuring their ego mechanism, then whatever, sure it's a programming language and you also can't tell anyone else that they're not a programmer. Like that's not a thing or should not be a thing. So people who insist on doing that are punk faces. Len.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can't implement HTML in HTML. So I would say no. But I also agree, I wouldn't, I don't know what context this came up in, but you shouldn't like argue with somebody's like identifying as an HTML programmer or something.
1: Well, because so I guess some context, if you haven't seen this on the internet, is I do know, I know a bunch of front end developers who would say that they, you know, they mostly do HTML and CSS and barely touch JavaScript. Um, Yeah. And so then the question is, are they a developer? And, like, this is a thing that people on the internet feel that they have a right to argue about and (laughs) say that other people are not developers. That's stupid. It is stupid. But that's, like, why this, you know, CS professor gets a bunch of ridiculous comments on his YouTube video. So (laughs) I think, actually, if you watch the YouTube video, it's pretty funny because he basically says... So he's saying that HTML is a declarative language, uh, which, so, because I actually might even argue more that, like, CSS might be more of a programming language than HTML, but in terms of being declarative, like it declares a state and so it is. But uh, the the professor made an interesting thing where he was saying that the thing about declarative languages is that you you define a state you want to be in and expect the running environment to make it so. And I think that's really interesting because he basically was describing, you know, he's describing functional programming. And so he's almost saying that not only is HTML a programming language, it's a functional programming language.
3: Guess what? Which is
1: going to break the internet. What's up?
3: There's a knowledge card for is CSS a programming language also.
1: <laughs> does, it, does it say no? It does say no. Yeah. I Actually, so SAS is Turing complete, someone did a proof of it. So an extension of, or like, which is then written in Ruby and, and or C++. And <laughs> so, yeah, it's turtles all the way down. So at least some flavor of CSS-like things there's Turing complete. And I would say it a SAS is a programming language, which SAS is close enough to CSS to call it a programming language. But you also get things like control flow in SAS, so. That's no, one
3: of the big cards things that failed me. <laughs> yeah. So did, it's a programming language, and there's no knowledge card.
1: Oh. Dang. I'm actually pretty bummed when that happens. I like the knowledge cards. I like, like the... if I'm trying to do like a conversion, like I'm just like, how much does this thing, you know, in Canadian in U.S. dollars, and it doesn't do the conversion automatically, it's pretty, it's a bummer. Most of the time, that works.
3: I like to to tell folks not to say like oh, I'm a Ruby programmer, or I'm an HTML programmer. It's like yeah. you're a programmer because you never know what uh, what problem you're going to encounter and uh, how you're going to solve it. Uh, I, don't know, I guess that's a double-edged sword because if you don't identify with a programmer language, you might not have a specialty. But, mm. but you could say you're a programmer and your strongest language is Ruby or something. I
1: don't know. Yeah, I I like saying stuff like that.
3: and Justin, do you identify with? Do you say ex-programmer or do you say programmer?
2: Um, depends on the context, I suppose. I usually say developer. I say
3: I
0: build software with computers. I don't even say programmer.
3: You don't work in IT. <laughs> no, I just
0: say I make software with computers. So,
3: I'm a text editor operator. <laughs> I'm an Emacs user. That's all you need to know. I just tell everybody to watch. I Silicon Valley. I don't even Valley think
0: programmers like. Sorry.
2: I just tell everybody to watch Silicon Valley and then say I basically do that.
3: Uh. <laughs> this is what my life is like. War game of that's thrones that's Why I
1: can't watch that show. Both oh, is your rapier. life like Game of Thrones? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
3: My work life.
0: <laughs> if you mix the two, that's my life. Are you
3: murdering your teammates?
1: <laughs> In a way. But then you raise them from the dead so it's fine.
3: Mm. Yeah. Spoilers.
1: <laughs> that's not that's fine. <laughs>
3: I think if you have, even I have watched the finale. Kind of spoil by that now. there's
1: reanimation at some point in the entire Game of Thrones universe.
0: No, I was joking. It's probably on every other person's Facebook. Feed,
1: so good. <laughs> so now that we've ruined Game of Thrones, we have some listener questions that we want to get to. I. So the question is Docker containers, or maybe some DevOps stuff, and then another question uh, is. Uh, from Jay, is containers. Are you using them for dev, for production? How are you using them and why? Good job on that question. So basically, we got two questions about Docker and containers. So I, I think this, we should definitely discuss this. And I think uh, we were going to ask Justin to define containers for us. What are they even?
2: So a container is uh, a an object that you put things into. And I think that you'll find that most things are either things or containers for other things.
1: That was really confusing, Justin. <laughs> all
2: right, all right, all right. There's a knowledge like That I... could have been, like, could have been from like cards. UPS
1: and not from like computers.
2: One, one, of, my, uh, one of my picks today will be uh, there is a children's book called A House <gasps> is a House for Me. Oh, okay.
1: Okay, well, I'll just pick programming right. children's books let, today. Let
3: me read the knowledge card.
1: Okay. Yeah.
3: Linux containers, LXC, is an what? operating ses- system-level virtualization method for running multiple isolated Linux systems uh, on a single control host,
1: Oh, according so to the Arch Linux wiki. Okay. But, like, kind of. It doesn't have to be Linux-related. But that you can have um, multiple... Instead of having virtual machines, which is, like, making up a fake server all the way down to, you know, like, running the OS and everything... Like your container allows you to run on top of that layer and share a bunch of that layer, uh, and but still run in a, uh, not a virtualized environment, but a contained environment. And so, thus containers. Did I get that right, Justin? Sounds right to me. Okay.
2: Yeah, I think a big, uh, an easy comparison for a lot of people that are coming from other IT backgrounds or, or have been programming for a while uh, a container is like a VM, but it's much more lightweight. It has the same properties where everything that you need to run an application is in the VM, and, mm-hmm. uh, and you can give it to somebody else, and they can run it with no, no other dependencies. Um, but a container is much more lightweight than a VM because it is not emulating the entire operating system. It is simply a, uh, the delta or the, the changes from your current operating system to running this other operating system.
3: There's no hypervisor, right? It's just a host OS, and then right. It's um, it's
2: it's it's jailing uh, the operations that a container can perform inside of a, a set of boundaries. So, um, essentially, the file system um, it can read everything from the container's file system, but not write outside of the container. Um, anyway, it's a it's a good way to package your application and the application's dependencies and run them anywhere with no dependencies. Similarly to a statically linked binary, such as one that Go produces, um, if you compile a Go program, you don't need any external dependencies to run it, except as long as it was compiled for the the architecture that you plan to run it on. So in some ways, a container can be thought of as a compiler for applications, and the target is any uh, container runtime.
3: Uh, I guess I could talk about how we use Docker, and or are we done answering what's a container?
2: How, how do you I use, Docker, so. Javon? I don't know how use Docker,
3: Docker. Um, so right now we're only using Docker for CI and running CI. Um, so we use Drone, uh, which is an open source CI tool, and uh, each of our builds runs in a Docker container. Uh, so if you a lot of the other parts of the company use Jenkins, and Jenkins has build agents which are dirty. Uh, but since we use Docker, each time we get a new uh, sanitized environment. Um, and Drone also runs in a Docker container. Uh, so for some of our apps, we have our own Docker containers or building our own. I mean, our own Docker images, uh, and some of them we just use stuff that's in Docker Hub, like the base Ruby image or. The base Elixir image. Um, one cool thing is Drone has something similar to Docker. Uh, was it Compose? Where if we need if we have a uh, database dependency, you just specify that uh, dependency as a another container, and it's automatically on a local host or the port. hides, the database will be automatically on available on local host. Uh, I think eventually we want to get to running production stuff in containers, but we're far, far from there. So right now it's just CI and running CI, so development. Uh, And sometimes, so locally, you can run like drone exec and spin up the same container that you will do in in drone. Uh, It would be nice for us to also use Docker containers for development and not development on a Mac. How about are some? I can see some resistance to that. That's how we use Docker.
1: Nice. I think it's also. I think it's important to note too that Docker is not the the only way to containers. It's kind of one of like it's the standard way, but there are other ways to container, and container is. Like it's the methodology or the architecture. I don't know something, yeah. some word. But like Docker is a way to do that, but it is not the only way to do that.
2: Yes. So there is another standard or or format called Rocket, which I think may have been merged with Docker and is now a its own standard. I have no idea. Um, but Hashicorp's Nomad, for instance, which is a container scheduler similar to Kubernetes. Um, it does not require your workload to be in a container. It can also run other types of workloads such as any binary or script. So if you wanted to, for instance, compile a, a program like a, a Go program, or, or Rust, or C, or anything that else that would create a, a binary, you can schedule that with Nomad. Uh, and by default, if you schedule a binary, it will run in its it will essentially create a container on the fly when it runs it uh, using, I believe, chroot, which is a Linux facility for, for containing a workload. There's also a pretty good blog post that I read a few months ago. Uh, I don't remember where what conference came out of or whatever, but I will, I will try and find it for the show notes. But essentially, it, it described how to make a, uh, a container system I think they used Go. Are
1: you talking about like, Docker without Docker? Maybe. Yeah. That I was ridiculous. Yes. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We had them on the show.
2: Yeah, it was essentially like a really great overview of what, a, what Docker needs to do to take a workload and put it in a container. Uh, and it was really fascinating. And it, and it kind of simplified how Docker works for me. So yeah, I will find that and put it in the show notes.
3: Was it like a slideshow? No, it was a, it was a blog post like, with a source code.
1: Oh, well, all right. Good luck, because I found Docker without Docker, but it's a Yeah, it's, it's like slide. a Google slide
3: thing, right?
1: Yeah. But, Are you I all guess, ready you really for picks? You're going to
3: start using Docker. your pinboard, man.
1: <laughs> right, you have a pinboard account, don't you?
3: I do. Me? I don't know if Justin does. What is pinboard? It's like delicious, but paid, and it still exists. And still exists. And, yeah. what, what and if delicious? you like
1: got it, yeah. And if you got it a long time ago, then you paid less for it than you would now. Oh, that thing. Yeah, it's just yeah, a yeah, persistent thing. bookmarks forever.
3: The cool thing about it is it saves the page, so you don't have to like go back and do the Hope cache. Hope the page is still yeah.
1: live Nice.
3: Wait, really? Pinboard. Yeah, it, it saves the page mm. as it's Another cool thing is. Mm. Uh, oh, it does I don't let...
0: know about that <laughs> I actually mostly just use it for gifts. I like religiously cataloged on my gifts, and now I can search them.
3: Hold on, let me see. Uh, if you click the link, it actually, goes my to problem the page, was but...
0: I I got a little too overzealous with uh, connecting ift recipes to my pinboard account, and then I just flooded it with basically every Twitter. Uh, t- tweet that I ever liked or anything I liked on Facebook and now it's just it got too noisy
3: So if you if you look and if you go to pinboard, there's a next to the title There's a check mark If you click that you get the pinboard cash version Oh really off the page. Yeah,
0: I wonder if it caches my lost gifts
3: If it was a page probably Hmm It's just a gift By the way, I drank coffee this morning. That's what I'm talking to
1: Yay. Nitro.
2: Thank you, Travon. Pro
3: tip. Life is <coughs> but it is 9 coffee. o'clock, so... Okay. Let's, <laughs>
0: let's <take it. laughs> Do you have a pick, Trevon?
3: Yeah, I'll pick Pinboard. It's my yeah. hoarding off the internet. It allows me not to have millions of tabs open. So it's pinboard.in, and I think it's probably maybe $20 now. It's between 10 and 20 It increases as more users uh, gets on it. Um, and specifically, you should use it for the caching feature. And then music-wise, let's see. Uh, tick, 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 tick. What does Shazam have? I'm going to pick Empire of the Sun. They're a cool like, indie band. That You roll your windows down, drive in the wind, play some Empire of the Sun. Those are my picks.
0: So I'm going to pick this app called Enki. I think they're still in beta. I don't think I've picked this yet. Uh, but if you join the waitlist, you get on pretty quickly. Um, it's five minute daily workout for your dev skills is what it calls itself, but it's basically just a short exercise. They have ES six and CSS stuff, and it's good cause you can practice a little bit while you're waiting in line or whatever at the grocery store. So that's inky. Pam.
1: So I'm gonna pick the *Children's Illustrated Guide to Kubernetes*, uh, which is adorable. It is illustrated and it's a story about uh, Fippy, an intrepid, intrepid little PHP app, uh, who is represented by a a, a giraffe. So it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty adorable. By this,
3: whatever, what's called. Yes. Right I have day socks. It appears to be the website it's on. I got day socks at Strange Loop. They're very colorful.
1: Oh, I guess that's and a company. Q-based. I just I didn't realize that this wasn't someone's blog. That's a pretty cute thing to put on a company blog. Suspicious, but yeah, it's it's mm. adorable. It actually, explains Kubernetes in a nice logical way. So, I like it.
0: Justin, do you have a pick?
2: Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, uh, one of my picks is a house is a house for me by Mary Ann Huberman, which is a classic children's book and is really catchy and fun to read. Um, and I know about it because I went to a conference and uh, Paul Phillips gave a talk called Ipecac for Ouroboros. <laughs> and uh, essentially he was describing a file system and it all came back to spoilers, uh, directories and files. Um, but he he mutated this story to, to fit his... Uh, his use case, and it was, it was pretty funny and, and catchy and entertaining. And the book is great, too. Uh, so I, I picked those two, and I also have one more pick. If you do any woodworking, um, or you have a wood shop, or even just like a saw, um, I highly recommend getting a dust collector. I had a shop vac plugged into two saws that we have, and uh, I thought it was doing an OK job. And then I realized that after I was in the workshop, even like not doing any woodworking, just happened to like, be standing in there even while I was doing computing work. Um, I would have this feeling in my throat of just, you know, gross dust feeling. Uh, so I bought a dust collector. I got a, I got a Shop Fox, which I'll post a link to in, in the links. Uh, but it is night and day difference. And I learned about the difference between CFM, which is cubic feet per minute, and static pressure. And static pressure is how high out of a uh, container of water can the vacuum suck the water up into the tube. Uh, and a uh, higher static pressure uh, results in better dust collection hi <laughs> we're babysitting cats and they're very noisy
3: i was uh watching a talk that was comparing uh woodworking tools to closure and huh? the person said that the dust from the wood is really bad for you
2: it is really bad like i i have yeah it's not as bad as drywall dust but it's pretty bad they so okay. need
1: like you need like a mask and a fan right
2: they have, yeah, they sell respirators, uh, which you're supposed to also wear while using a dust collector. I, I opt just to open the doors and let fresh air in while also using a dust collector. I think a dust collector is going to solve most of the problem that I'm having. Good luck. Even when you turn it on, it just, you just smell fresh air coming out of, the, out of the vacuum bag. It's great. I might get a respirator. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I cool. think
0: you should. So show notes are at turing.cool follow us on twitter at turn cool and i'll talk to y'all later
1: bye,
3: bye.
2: see ya
1: okay it's the zencaster